Here we go. You're listening to Email Friday on Law and Gospel on this May the 19th in the year of our Lord, 2023. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and my email address, in case you want to get a hold of me, is tombaker at brick.net. That's B-R-I-C-K dot net. That's my only email that you can get a hold of me. And so looking forward to getting emails. Got an interesting one. You know, today in this society, we're really having problems with the gay movement, with those who are in support of abortion, with those who want to change your sexual identity uh, through surgery, through those who think it's okay to commit suicide and get a doctor to do it. Well, I discovered another area that I was unaware of. It's called Paula Amora, polyamora. Now, there's a difference between polygamy and polyamora. Polyamora is the act of having intimate relationships with more than one person at the same time. A polyamorous person might have or might be open to having multiple romantic partners, whereas polygamy P-O-L-Y-G-A-M-Y, on the other hand, involves being married to multiple partners. Now, what does the Bible say about that? In 1 Corinthians 7, it states that polygamy is unlawful and that one man is to have but one wife and to keep to her and that one woman is to have but one husband and keep to him. And the wife alone has power over the husband's body, a right to it, and may claim the use of it. Now, believe it or not, there's a city council in Somerville, Massachusetts, that just added the polyamorous relationship to local non-discrimination rules last month. The council passed the ordinance unanimously without any debate. The, The move builds on an earlier council decision to legally recognize polyamorous relationships These decisions may show Somerville's liberal leanings, but they can also be a sign that Americans are inching closer to broad acceptance of romantic relationships among three or more people. In 2020, Somerville became the first U.S. city to recognize polyamorous relationships officially. They did so by simply changing a few words. 
the city council expanded the definition of domestic partnerships from an entity formed by two persons to an entity formed by people. It also replaced the word both with all. According to the New York Times, the language was approved at the end of a virtual council meeting so quickly and quietly that you could have easily missed it. And we're finding that in the United States, more and more communities are allowing multiple relationships. In fact, in Somerville and Arlington, there is now room on the domestic partnership registration forms for up to six names. And in the email I received, there's a picture of numerous people. There are three women and two men, and they're in a polyamorous relationship. And it's recognized as equal. So in some areas of the country, being a bigamist, meaning that you have two wives or two husbands, is now okayed. And that is contrary to God's word. This really fits in with another problem that we're having in the church. And that is, how can we give encouragement to members of the church during these negative times? Well, first of all, you can get everybody to listen to KFUO because it's the only station I'm aware of in the whole world that has a consistent and united message about Christianity focusing on Jesus Christ as our Savior and our Lord. The email I received from Greg Laurie, he writes about a group of frogs were hopping through the forest one afternoon when two of them stumbled into a pit. All the other frogs looked over the side and said, Oh no, that pit is so deep. You're as good as dead. You'll never get out of there. But those two little frogs didn't want to stay in that pit. It was cold and dark down there. They started jumping and jumping for all they were worth. When they kept falling short of their goal, the frogs on top yelled out, You're going to die. Just give up. There's no way. Their advice was so discouraging that one of the frogs actually gave up and died. But the other frog refused to give up. He kept jumping and jumping. And finally, much to every frog's surprise, he leaped up to the rim and pulled himself out of the pit. The other frog said, didn't you hear us? 
we told you that you would never get out. But the little frog who escaped said, Oh, sorry, I'm hard of hearing. I thought you were cheering me up. You and I live in a culture of discouraging words today. And maybe you've been absorbed some of that in recent days. You can't miss it if you read social media and encounter all the <clears throat> internet trolls and the ridiculous, mean-spirited comments that are made on the internet. Turn on the news, it's even more discouraging. Sometimes it seems like we're in a national race to follow Sodom and Gomorrah. All of that negativity, of course, has an effect on the mental health of our nation, especially young people. Depression and suicide rates have gone off the charts. And a recent survey found fully half of all Americans feel left out and over half feel that no one knows them well or cares. And it's not just young people. Many senior adults are seeking a word of hope and a reason to believe that their lives still matter. That's where Christianity steps into the situation. What do all people have in common? They have a need for a word of encouragement. They want to know that they are needed, loved, and appreciated. Real encouragement, of course, I mean the kind that endures, comes from God himself. Remember what Paul wrote to the Thessalonians in chapter 2 of 2 Thessalonians, verse 16. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. Yesterday on Law and Gospel, we talked about the need for Christians to have courage. You, you can be working in an office and you speak out against some of the immorality in the world today and you can be fired for saying such things. So we need to use our words wisely uh, be kind and show love to other people when they're living lifestyles that are contrary to the word of God, such as a polygamous relationship. God's Holy Spirit has also given us two strong pillars of encouragement in these negative times. And Greg Laurie talks about both of them in the email. 
The one encouragement is the word of God. And the second is the people of God. First of all, encouragement in the world. Maybe like the two frogs in his story, you found yourself in a deep hole of discouragement. You have found yourself thinking, I'm such a failure. I've always failed and probably always will. But God has a response to such dark thoughts, like those in Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That means it doesn't really matter what particular situation that you're confronting. But God has a promise that he can give you the strength to endure it. Now, the two key words in this verse are through Christ. No, you are not able to do all things on your own. You're not even able to do very many things. No one can. And maybe you have failed and found yourself in a dead and pathway. But God will meet you there. If you call out to him, he will forgive you. He will give you a second chance. He can get you up on your feet. How? Through Jesus Christ, who strengthens you. Now, maybe someone will say, I'm just so anxious about the future. There's so much out there that could go wrong. Yes, in a world like this, there certainly is. But you weren't born into a world that is worse today than it was years ago. No, every time since the fall of Adam and Eve, we are born into a world that is really attempted to be ruled by Satan. He's doing all he can to move us away from the promises of God. And in so doing, we are not listening to Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6, where the Lord says, So be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid and do not panic before the world. For the Lord your God will personally go ahead of you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. You might say, but I have no future. I don't have any hope. But listen to what the psalmist writes in chapter 130, verse 5. I am counting on the Lord. Yes, I am counting on him. I have put my hope in his word. This is what the Reformation was all about, of Martin Luther in the 16th century, that our salvation is based on hope in his word. What does that mean? It means 
that there are hundreds of promises in the Bible. In fact, when you run into an individual who is discouraged, just encourage them to read from the book of Psalms. You can't read very many verses before you hear the encouragement of the Holy Spirit. That's where you will find hope, in the Word of God. You may not find it online or in social media or in newspapers or cable TV, but God's Word has been pulling men and women out of their pits and putting them on good pathways for years, for years. It was amazing at the time of the early church when Christians were not only being persecuted, but they were even put to death. Much of what is like happening today. And yet, when the apostles preached the message of Jesus Christ, there were even many priests affiliated with the synagogues of the Jews who became Christians and believed the promises. How did that happen? It happened by the word of God being heard by them. And when that word of God is heard, it brings great encouragement beyond comparison. You don't witness to someone by saying, well, look what the word of God has done in my life and maybe even give them what you consider to be miracles. Like I talked about having a blown out tire a few weeks ago returning from a church on a dark highway and we didn't know what to do. We pulled over to the side and in less than a minute, two cars had pulled over, one with a sister in it, one with a brother, and the brother came out, and he was an expert at changing tires. And he got the tire, namely a spare out of our trunk, put it on our car, and in 10 minutes, we were on our way again. Now, that plan was done by God. That's where you will find hope, in the promises of God. But there is a second area of hope, and that is getting encouragement from the people of God. This is why it's so important that young people attend church and that the older people in the congregation not only welcome them, but encourage them to do the work of the church. In, in the book of Acts, and our writer here talks about an encourager named Barnabas. Who was Barnabas? Well, he was a disciple of Jesus Christ. And remember when Saul, who became Paul on the road to Damascus, 
he wanted to preach to the people, but they were afraid of him because he had been persecuting Christians and putting them to death. He was a new Christian, but he had a scary track record of persecuting believers. And the church in Jerusalem didn't want to have anything to do with him. But Barnabas believed Paul's conversion story, took him under his wing, and encouraged him in the Lord. Eventually, Paul and Barnabas went on missionary journeys together, where Paul discovered that the Lord had given him powerful spiritual gifts of preaching and teaching. After a while, Barnabas was content to let his new friend take the lead. And from then on, they are referred to as Paul and Barnabas. Now, where would Paul have been without this encourager who stepped into his life at just the right moment? And where would we have been? Because Paul went on to write 13 books of the New Testament. That's what an encourager does. He or she sees the potential in others, cheers them on, and stands by them when things get tough. How important is that? I think we won't begin to realize how crucial such encouragers are until we get to heaven and see the big picture. But have you been encouraged by someone like that? And how about you? Do you know a younger Christian right now? They need someone like you to be a Barnabas in their life and to strengthen them in their walk of faith because no one can make it as a solo Christian. We need not only the word of God, but we need more people like Barnabas to stand into the gap. Now, in this email I received, Greg Laurie talks about a time when a person named Mark made a big difference in his life. He says, well, I had become a Christian in high school. I had been using drugs at the time and my life was going in the wrong direction. I heard the gospel from some Christians at lunchtime on my campus. And I then began to believe in Jesus Christ. But I didn't know what to do next, he writes. There was a little campus Bible study I started attended, but they had a weird guest speaker one day, and I didn't feel comfortable with what he was saying. There were a little too many praise the Lord's and hallelujahs for me at that time. And so I told myself, 
that I would just be a solo Christian and do it on my own. In fact, in reality, I was right on the edge of giving it all up and falling away. But that's when another student named Mark walked up to me, seemingly out of nowhere, introduced himself and invited me to church. I told him I didn't want to go to church. He said, what's your address? I'll pick you up. So the next thing I knew, I was in a car going to church because Mark was persistent. And that's when I became part of the epicenter of the movement to believe in Jesus in Southern California. I was surrounded by worshiping people. In fact, I took a seat in the front pew and I heard a message from the Bible. And from that moment on, I was hooked. Who made the difference in my life? Well, there's no doubt it was the word of God, but it was also a guy named Mark, someone I barely knew. Who made the difference in the apostle Paul's life? It was a man named Barnabas. You as a Christian, can you be that Mark or Barnabas for someone else? It may be one of the most important things you will ever do. And that is make a point in talking maybe to a young person or someone in the congregation who appears to be alone. Give them a compassionate and loving talk about what Jesus Christ has done for them, namely by dying on the cross, giving them the righteousness of Jesus Christ so that they too can be encouraged by you. You simply need to direct them to Romans, Isaiah, the Psalms, and let the Holy Spirit do his work. And that work will continue on Monday as we look at another passage from Scripture from a law and gospel perspective. Until then, God bless you. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your checkout to Law and Gospel and mail to Law and Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132 or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.